Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 28 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Zion's Return, a.k.a. Lonzo's Little Rumors. And I'm joined here by one of my best friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Negro Damas. Bringing that one back. You got any AKAs? No, that's good enough. I've been right again. Uh, okay, okay. Okay, you heard him. He's Negro Domus. He's going to be right again. So I'm going to get you with a good one. NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. We record on Wednesdays. By the time everybody hears this episode on Friday, it will have happened. I want the player that's guaranteed to get traded. Not bought out, so you can't do a Drummond. The player that you guarantee, Negro Damas, is going to get traded. Player that I guarantee. Oh, that's a rough one. Is it? I think so. I guarantee. I mean, that, I guarantee is strong. You said strong. you said Negro Damas it's was strong. good enough. I'm gonna go out on the ledge. I'm gonna take a little risk. Walk that walk. JJ Reddick gets moved. Gets traded. The Lakers get him. To sure up their shooting while LeBron continues to heal from his high ankle sprain. It makes them a little bit more risk, uh, willing to take a risk. Okay, okay. I would have said Depot. Of all people, I would have said Oladipo. Uh, but I like it. JJ Reddick, that's spicy. All right, let's get into our fly route game picks of the week. Saturday, I think, is the day for basketball this weekend. I want, like, clear Saturday is going down. The first one I see is the Knicks versus the Bucks. So I think mm, game will be good, competitive, but the Bucks win that game. All right, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Let's get to something that might be a little harder for you to decide. Mavericks versus the Pelicans. So everything in my head that knows about basketball is saying pick the Pelicans. Pick oh, the Pelicans. okay. Zion's great. I'm not doing that. I'm picking the Mavs. Ooh, okay. I Look. A, I'm going to take the Pels, and I'm going to guarantee you no less than four Bleacher Report posts from this game. Now that they have no Bron, no LaMelo, it's, Zion. it's Zion's return. He's going to be everywhere. All right, last but not least, the 76ers play the replacement Clippers. Sixers. Ooh. The Clippers, besides the fact, even, even when they're all there, they have not looked right this season. So... Even a you know wounded Sixers team, I think, can take them. Okay, okay, that that's huge. I'm with you. We have an exciting show for everybody today. We are going to get into yet another tee off, unfortunately, about Isaiah Wilson, former first round pick for the Tennessee Titans. We are going to give you the run pass option segment where we like to talk about the biggest headlines in sports news for the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them. Or pass on them. We are going to give you the fly route for NBA award voters. Since we would probably never get a vote. uh, For MVP and Rookie of the Year. Now that both of these races have become super open. Last but not least, we are going to get into some controversial comments by Draymond Green. And talk about the best defenders in NBA history. Also... This week's Ballers Bouquet. The, 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 the Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. Welcome to the tee off. Oh, spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show. We like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. Now, I know what everybody wants to hear us talk about right now is Deshaun Watson. I, like I've seen people like the tags have been coming through. The DMS have been coming through. We will not touch it just yet because the way information is coming out on this particular subject is insanely fast by the hour. Yeah. Like we released an episode and like it went from four accusers to 22. There is actually court documents being filed. His lawyer says he has proof that at least one of them is lying. I, I'm going to wait for all of this information to kind of come more out so we can be a little bit more educated with our takes that come in this serious situation. Right. We need information, and that's what we are waiting for to come out. As the court proceedings start, we're going to get more and more information. 
bear it with us. We want to give you the best possible take on this, not just the lazy take of what's in the news today. We want to be better than that. So we will instead talk about Isaiah Wilson. For y'all who are frequent listeners of the pod, you have heard us talk about Isaiah Wilson before. Former first round draft pick last draft for the Tennessee Titans, an offensive tackle. He played at Georgia. Extremely great college career, super talented kid. And of course, he had a range of off-field issues his rookie year that we talked about, such as like getting caught at a party at Tennessee State University while their campus was closed and attempting to jump off a balcony to avoid police officers. Remind you, this nigga's like six foot five and 350 pounds. That is always the most important detail of that story. Of course, he got suspended for violating rules of the team. He crashed his car into a concrete wall during a DUI. His rookie season was filled with a ton of mishappenings. And, you know, two or three episodes ago, we talked about how he got traded to the Dolphins. And, of course, uh, I always say Miami is not the place to go fix your life and go straight. But it's okay because he never really even got to fix his life and go straight in Miami because... Just three days after this trade, Isaiah Wilson was cut from the Dolphins. Now, it was a trade that really lends no value. They basically traded for a seventh-round pick swap. They, you know, the Titans were just trying to wash their hands of this player, give him a fresh start. Hopefully, trip two works better than trip one, but trip two actually worked worse than trip one because now he is out of the league. Why is he out of the league? Why did he get cut? Weirdly enough, the meat of this story is not why he got cut. Now, he got cut because the team was like, we tried to help him, Miami. They were like, he refused all of our efforts to help him. And basically, he showed up late to his physical. He showed up late to team orientation. He skipped optional workouts that he had committed to going to. So it's not even like he had to go to these workouts. They were optional. And Madge was like, I'm going to be there. I'm real serious about this. And he skipped them. And during those workouts, did you know what he was doing? This nigga was basically hitting a vape on video, standing on top of a car partying. Oh, that's not what I was going to guess. I was going to guess he was streaming something on Twitch. But that seems really too mild for this guy. (laughs) No, no, no. He was like hitting his vape. So like already, you know, the the NFL sees that video. Uh, let's get you drug tested, my guy. You will fill that drug test. Uh, although, actually, weed is off now. Oh, NFL finally let up on that. They did, but they never reinstated Josh Gordon after doing it. It was stupid. the stupid. Well, just like you, our, our government, you know, uh, they want to legalize it, but leave people in jail. Like, oh, my God. But let's not get to the Josh Gordon thing. Like, that nigga's gotten such a raw deal for really doing fucking nothing wrong. But neither here nor there. Get some cut off the team. And weirdly enough, now this is the funniest thing. The Dolphins traded, right? But before that trade, the Titans were aware of, and many people were aware of, but it had not hit everybody yet that Isaiah Wilson had been arrested again Mm. before Mm. the trade happened. Yeah. So like they kept that one under wraps and kind of fleeced a little pick swap real quick before everybody found out. So why did he get arrested? Isaiah Wilson was arrested after a high-speed car chase with the police that ended in him being arrested at gunpoint. So apparently he is zooming down the highway in his charger. I, I'm pre- he might have got, like, got a better car. I'm pretty sure he crashed the first better car into a fucking concrete wall, and his money probably stopped flowing. I guess when that's the team true. canceled all your guarantees for fucking but the new up. Corvette's not that expensive. <laughs> I'd get one of those for a charger. I don't Look, know. I digress. Keep keep. He's in his Dodge Charger, right? Just killing it on the road. He's going about 123 miles per hour when he gets clocked by a police officer, and the police officer, of course, is like the fuck. Pulls out after him, turns on his lights, is like, pull over. My man's like, nah, we don't do that here. Guns it, gets into a high-speed chase at 140 miles per hour with the police. A second police car shows up. they have chargers too? Uh, He was like, bitch, my charger better than yours. He got the Hellcat? (laughs) (laughs) He got the Scat Pack? ain't that stock shit, nigga. Nah, nah. And he gets into 140 miles per hour, high-speed chase with the police. Multiple cars show up. The police end up 
saying this chase is becoming too dangerous. By now, we obviously have your license plate number. We going to get you, nigga. And they decide to abandon the chase, and he ends up crashing the car again. After he abandons, after the police abandon the chase, and he ends up getting arrested by an undercover ICE officer who was in the area. And of course, like there's a bolo on this nigga, right? So every <laughs> law enforcement officer in the city will come out of the woodwork. Is looking like- for you, my guy. Yes, indeed. Gets arrested at gunpoint because they're like, yeah, this guy just had a high speed chase with the police, you know. Uh, that one does not get you. Look, the guns come out unless you're white in that situation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. that's felony speeding. That's yeah. that's not no. You it's get a little fel- ticket. You. It's not just felony speeding. It's let me let me quote this: speeding in a construction zone, reckless driving, felony evading or attempting to elude the police, possession of less than an ounce of marijuana, possession of other drug related paraphernalia, per- paraphernalia and reckless conduct, like. Yeah, like, bruh got charges on charges on charges. I think he just wanted to make it to the league. I don't think he actually wanted to be, be in, in the, the league. league. <laughs> yes, I, that is the conclusion I have now come to. Yeah, he's like, honestly, bruh, just like, can't you just do this shit in your house? Quite literally, get get a house, hell, buy a whole street. <laughs> Drag race on your street, it's private, it's your business. It's wild. There was also a woman in the car with him who was found having a bit of acid on her. Probably took a little bit too while they were. That's why probably they were speeding. <laughs> probably there was more drugs in the car. Uh, yeah. So at this point, I'm just like, I'm pretty sure this guy has to be out the league. Oh, guys have been out the league for less, way less. Look, I, I, and guys have gotten back into the league after doing way worse. Also true, but they wanted to be back in the league. I don't know that this guy does. Yeah, uh, He's going to have to prove to teams over a long period of time that he wants back. Think about guys like an Alden Smith who was suspended for multiple years, who had to go through a long... And the NFL's process for once you get suspended indefinitely is like, we will make you jump through every loop we possibly want you to. We, we might still say no. And so he's going to have to go through that. He's going to have to be on his best behavior for like a year he going to have to be on somebody practice squad or something and demonstrate he can show up to work <laughs> before they give him any oh, money. That don't look likely. He's going to have a lot of growing up to do. Like, well, it don't look likely not because of growing up. He's going to end up in jail before he ever does that. Fair. That is a very <laughs> fair point. Honestly, I don't see how he stays out of jail this time. Like, he's probably, I don't know if they breathalyzed him or like did a sobriety test. You know it what it don't matter. About? I know his lawyer's taking the rest of his money. Oh, the the, the look, lawyer's got the rest of the Nashville bank. voided all of his guarantees. So they have to pay him no more money, and the Dolphins cut him with zero dead cap. And z- like he is, the checks have stopped. Like I said, the lawyer has the rest of his money already. What, he got like five cases? Oh. A couple of them he got let go without with a warrant. Okay. Right, he got at least three. The like DUI where he uh, crashed into the, the first wall. Time. Mm-hmm. He's gonna still have to deal with, and I want to say um, was the underage drinking just a warning? He wasn't underage. He was with oh. underage people, and they let him. Yeah, the Tennessee State one. That a bunch of other people got charges at the party, and they just let him go. It was kind of the like, oh, you play for the Titans, player. <laughs> Which only gets you so far when you don't play for the Titans no more. Yeah, it's, it's at least a few. But this man, like I said, this man needs some help. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if he, it's just an attitude thing. I don't know if he got something going on. It ain't good, though. You were really wishing for his second chance comeback, too. I Listen, I think everybody deserves a second chance. After that, that's on you. You get, you get two chances. You get to mess up once, and if we if we like you, if we think you're talented, you get a second chance. I don't think anybody doubts his talent. That's the problem. After that, you gotta after you mess up two two chances, you gotta prove to us you worth giving a third chance to. I don't see it happening. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that was your tee off. Ooh, spit that tea, Ooh, sis. Spit that tea, Ooh. sis. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. All right, let's get into the RPO, Run Pass Options segment. This is where we like to give you 
the largest headlines of the week in sports news and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. All right, DeMarcus, take us away. So we're going to go to Brooklyn. James Harden has a new person to pass the ball to in the form of Blake Griffin. We've seen a little couple games now. Got his feet wet in a Brooklyn uniform, which looks real weird. What are your thoughts so far? Run or pass? I'm going to run. I'm a fan of what I've seen so far. It's only been two games, right? Mm -hmm. It's only been two games, so there's not a lot to see. But he has played like 15 and 20 minutes respectively in those games. And with Kyrie being MIA again for personal reasons. His birthday. Nigga, I want my birthday off too. I mean, it could still... Digressing, but it could be something else, but it's also his birthday, or it was yesterday. I, I want my birthday off too, nigga. So I, I, I ain't hating. Nah, fuck that shit. I'm hating because I, I don't have that much leverage. Just be like, nah, nigga, I don't work my birthday. Well, with the new setup of this team, kind of follow up question: How do you see they have maybe a month, less than a month, when KD gets back to make these players all gel together? Do they all work? Everybody else has gelled for a while together sans KD, and KD's just a guy that fits seamlessly into any offense. He's so efficient. He he shot the least out of the three, and st- like he's just so efficient. He's going to work within the flow of the offense, get his shots. He's not going to take a ton of them. It, I don't have that worry, to be honest. Blake coalescing in, I have liked, uh, even though... People thought Blake's passing was going to be great. And I think I, what from the games I've watched, because I've watched both Brooklyn games, he is passing a lot. And I think he's passing too much. I, I, especially for like the construction of their team right now, especially missing the third player. And he has zero assists, but he's moving the ball a lot. There's a lot of good ball movement happening around. He's finding the open guy, making the right play. We saw him dunk finally. That was big. First game back. Cheers. Look. And he a first game back, he put it down. He had to shut some people up. He didn't want to hear it no more. We bullied him back into dunking the ball. Basically, that's what happened. He was just like, I knew it was gonna be a thing. So I just like let me get this out the way real quick. But he's doing all right. He here's what I'm saying. He doesn't look like a difference maker. And I don't think that for the minutes he's playing, he's currently providing Brooklyn what they'll need to make a championship run. But it's just so early. In the process. He's only played two games. Okay. Let's go to another borough of New York. Let's talk about Julius Randle and his ascension with Thibodeau and how their relationship has worked out. He had a monster game. Was it Monday night? 37 points. 37 points. Yeah. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Just killing it. Like, did he have like seven threes or something stupid? Mm-hmm. He, yeah. It, it, he went off. Yeah. <laughs> he went off. Runner pass. Look, run if he is not your most improved player. You just don't watch basketball, period. Now, I think this is great. I think the Knicks resurgence is great. It's good to have good Knicks basketball going on. And it, But, look, I'm concerned about his minutes. I am concerned about Tibbs tipping this up again. You know, like, it's his constant complaint is that he runs players down and players get hurt under him. Julius Randle leads the league in total minutes played. The second person is Jokic, and he's like 100 minutes behind him. Like, everybody was talking about LeBron never missing a game, blah, blah, blah. It's not about, it's like the... It's minutes during the game. (coughs) (coughs) Damn, that Rona vaccine, huh? Uh, (laughs) Let me stop. He, yeah, so like, Jokic is behind him. He's like almost 100 minutes behind him. So he is playing a ton of minutes. More than anybody else in the NBA, he is second in minutes per game. Only person more than him is Harden, and he's playing 37 minutes per game that he is in, which is basically the entire game. The game is, what, 45 minutes long? 48. 48? 48 minutes long? He's getting a rest probably uh, between quarters. He rests at halftime, nigga. At halftime. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, we know, we know James is in the physical condition now, for sure, to do all that. And plus, there's no Kyrie and no KD, so he don't really have a choice. I, like, I, it, it's weird because his usage rate is at 30th in the league while playing all of these minutes. So it's not like he is always touching the ball on all these minutes he's playing. In fact, it seems like it's inefficient the amount of minutes Tibbs is playing him. 
And I'm just can like never want to wish injury on anybody. Of course, I remember all too well Derrick Rose doing unbelievably fantastic shit, and Tibbs playing him and him getting hurt at a basically irrelevant time in the game like that game he went off and they were up like 15 20 the dude was playing with like six minutes left in the game shouldn't have been in garbage time bruh's playing through garbage time look i'm loving julius Randle. i'm loving the fact that the knicks are trying to do something for to like bolster this team in the trade deadline i am just scared of tibbs doing his thing once again you gonna tip it up? All right. So, going from New York, we're gonna go down down the road to Baltimore, where we've heard lots of criticisms about the Ravens not being able to get great targets for their quarterback. They've now signed Sammy Watkins after, or rumored to be talking to Sammy. Look, let me let me run real quick because there's been a lot of fucking rumors about people interested in siding with the Ravens. They were yes. like, we're going to get Marvin Jones, and that wasn't going to happen. Then we're going to get Kenny Galladay, and he went to the Giants. Then they were like, Juju, we got Juju. And then Juju went back to Pittsburgh for well, cheap. For cheap. And now they're talking about Sammy Watkins, who met with them and then immediately went to go meet with another team. Right? He went to go meet with, I think it's the Colts. And I'm like... There's a narrative here now, and we people love the narratives, especially with Lamar Jackson, is that now wide receivers don't want to play in Baltimore because they don't think they can trust Lamar throwing the ball, and they don't want to be in that run-heavy offense and not get their targets, which the latter seems way more reasonable than the former to me, I'll be honest, but... There's also that extra stuff like Des recently tweeting, like, y'all don't know what he has to go through. I was in that building, which now makes me think, well, what is he going through? Because, like, from what everybody else was saying, everything seems to be peachy fucking nice over there in Baltimore because they got Greg Roman. He wants to work with Lamar Strange. Harbaugh believes in him, right? Like, they they have Mark Andrews. Like, I'm 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 interested to know like what's going on that Des knows about that we don't know about and maybe is that part of the internal things that are kind of fueling this situation because look I'm gonna be honest with y'all Sammy Watkins is not the answer in Baltimore he is past his prime and has not been able to stay healthy consistently at all the last two seasons even when he wasn't being heavily used on the Chiefs. No, he was in the perfect situation and couldn't stay healthy at all. Like, if you were a wide receiver, no matter what point of your career you're in, you want to play on that team with Tyreek across from you and Kelsey. Maybe, depending on if you want to be a wide receiver well, or Well, if you want to be at one, then no, you don't want to be on that team. <laughs> but for 80% of the guys in the league, they want to be the number two on that team. Yeah, yes, I agree. The guy that never gets doubled because they literally cannot. You're like, I'll put up 1,000 yards and 10 yeah, TDs. like, what, y'all put a linebacker on me? What? <laughs> okay. Right. I, I'm with you. So, uh, look, it's just, this is weird. Um, I, I don't, there's really nobody else on the market that I see making a big difference for this team right now. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a trade. Who knows? But clearly their passing attack needs some work. It sure does. All right. So let me switch this back on you. I want to stay in the NFL and I want to go to Green Bay. All right. Now, in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers recently, people are saying he refused to restructure his contract because he wanted assurances that he was not a lame duck quarterback in Green Bay. Do you see this as a start of a larger growing issue in Green Bay? Run or pass? I'm going to run. And yes, it is the start of a bigger issue. It's ironic, actually, because Aaron was once in this exact same position. Aaron got drafted into the first round to be the heir apparent to Brett Favre, who was a three-time MVP, Super Bowl champion, and up there in his 30s. It's really ironic how similar these are. It took Aaron three years to take the starting quarterback job from Favre 
along with the team being upset about being essentially held hostage by Favre, who was like, I'm going to retire. Actually, I'm not. Or I'll let you know right before training camp starts. And no team wants to have that kind of uncertainty. They want to have long-term stability. So, yeah, it is a problem because if Rodgers is watching Jordan Love in the building every day, I mean, we've heard bad things about him, but if Aaron is watching him in the building every day and noticing the kid get better, he's saying, oh, I'm going to be 37 soon. You know, it's going to be the third year of this kid. He's going to have to have, have a contract. Are they going to just get rid of me early and go with him, et cetera? So, yeah, it is certainly the start of something. I think a multi-year drama will be watching with Aaron Rodgers and the organization. And listen, I have not seen Love play in the NFL at all. There was no preseason. So I can't say if the kid's good, bad, whatever. But I know Aaron don't like him. Oh, I, I okay. I don't think Aaron doesn't like him. I think Aaron has a lot of sympathy for him because well, of his situation. With yeah, Favre. but he is upset because that didn't help the team last year and it won't help them next year. I agree he's upset. He, he ha- I think he has sympathy for him, but that don't change the fact that he's here to win games and he wants another ring and it's counterproductive to him getting that ring. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm, it's a threat to him himself. Look, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's stay and go back to like the Juju conversation because okay. we had that briefly. But I want to talk about this deal because Juju recently just re-upped with the Steelers for one year, $8 million, which, look, it's fairly cheap. You already said that. But for reference, T.Y. Hilton just signed a one year, $10 million deal with the Colts. So I'm like. Is something going on? Does the rest of the league not see Juju the way Juju and I guess his camp was hyping up his free agency? Does this deal say that for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to run. I'm going to run so hard on this. Juju is not a number one. This deal solidifies that for a lot of reasons. First, it's one year, eight million. So the Steelers think he's not a number one and that's what they want to pay him every year. He don't want that. He wants more than that. So he takes his one-year deal. It's possibly Big Ben's last season. So you say, hey, maybe we go all in. Maybe we do well. We win it. I don't think they are. And you go for no it. run game. You go for it. But one year, $8 million. Let me talk about guys who make more money. We're not even going to talk about the top-tier guys who make over $20 million a year. The Amari Coopers, the Julio Jones, et cetera. Let's talk about guys who just make more than uh, he's going to make next season, which is 29 guys. You started. It's T.Y. Hilton. It's... Uh, Tyler Lockett. It is Will Fuller. It is Will Fuller. Well, well, I mean, yes, but I'm saying just like some of these other names, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd. They all Tyler make, Boyd. Yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Tyler. They will Boyd. all make more than Juju next season, and those guys are. You think Tyler Boyd's a number, a good number two even? That pause tells me everything. <laughs> It's a bad team. Yes. <laughs> Maybe but, he can be better in a better situation. But what we say, but there are t- people who are on bad teams who ball out, and you're like, ooh, let's get them out of there. Let's free that guy so he can actually go ball on a good team. I'm with you. If he were the guy that he thinks he is, they pay him at least 12 a year. I mean, and yeah, they, I think they cut somebody to be able to get this $8 million under the cap, et cetera. But that means you weren't getting a lot, at least – from this, either you love the Steelers or you weren't getting a ton of better offers. His camp says they had better offers, but he just wanted to be a Steeler. He wanted to be a Steeler forever. In his On heart. a one-year deal where you could get hurt this year and then not have a contract next season? I am a man of messages that uh-huh. I bring to the people. No, I mean, he's not He's not what he thinks he is. He's not a number one. He's a number two, a good number two, and that's it. All right, last but not least is some little COVID news. The Miami Heat is now having a vaccinated-only section in their games. From now on, they're the first NBA team to do so. Do you think this is going to be a larger trend that more NBA teams pick up and maybe even other sports leagues run or pass? I'll run. I don't know if it's going to be a major trend. I think we got, what, about a month? Six weeks of the season left. So I don't know if it's going to be a major trend, but I want it to be going forward. As as vaccinated people, you know, <laughs> go get your vaccine. Um, as vaccinated people and kind of thinking about the way this goes, I part of the reason I can tell you that motivated me to get the vaccine as soon as possible is the idea that 
when these kind of opportunities came available, I'd be able to start getting back to some semblance of normal, even if it was a little bit weird still. It's like, it's still weird going out and talking to people and being in crowds. It feels almost guilty, but I think this is good. I would like to see more of this. I think this can, for some people who are hesitant about getting the vaccine and they're not sure if they want it or want it right now, it could push them over, which is ultimately a good thing. The faster people get vaccinated, the faster we get out of this. And if this is one way to coerce people into getting the vaccine, this is a good form of coercion. All right. We're in Dallas. If the Mavs did this, would you go to a Mavs game? Yes. Okay. All right. Facts. I buy a Luka jersey. I'd be down there in the front row. You'd see me on, on NBA TV. <laughs> whatever. Yes. <laughs> Playboy. Yo, let's get into end of the season awards real quick. This week's fly route, I want us to take the position of some NBA voters because things have kind of changed. LeBron James gets a high ankle sprain. Now he is out for at least a month. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid has that injury that we talked about last week. Now he's out for an extended period of time. That's kind of opened up the MVP race because... Honestly, those are the top two people people were talking about. And now they're going to miss significant time. And what happens in this month? It's like there's not much left in the season. Yeah, we have a good idea about what teams are good, what teams are not good. We don't really have narratives because typically when the NBA media picks a guy or a couple guys, they build the story for the MVP all year long. We have the narratives. And now because the, the front runners are out, there's no narrative left for at least a, a dominant narrative left for any of the, the contenders for this award. All right. So with that being said, I think the, the and I said this a couple weeks ago in the pod, it's, it's Nikola Jokic for me for, for lots of reasons. So I think the, the first is team success, which is what these guys all look at. Jokic's team is 27 or 26 and 17. They are fifth in the Western conference. They're doing great. They're expected to be, a tough out in the playoffs, not a team that anyone looking to go far wants to see early. They were a tough out last year. But not just that his team is good. He has had dramatic improvement in his counting stats, his points, rebounds, assists this season. I think his points are up from 19 last year to 27 this year. He's averaging 11 assists uh, a game and eight rebounds, which is freaking phenomenal. Um, when it looks at those numbers, which is almost a triple-double, he – has nine triple doubles this season, I believe. Are you shocked that a nigga that tall is missing the triple double rate by rebounds? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Yo, that shit bothers me. Nigga, you is too tall to be missing the season it, triple yeah, double by if, rebounds. If Russ can can get 10 a game for the season, I think Jokic should be able to. Uh but even that being said on triple doubles, he's he's only the second big man after Wilt Chamberlain to have 50 plus triple doubles. Wilt has 78. I think Nicola has now like 51 or 52. So these are just historic numbers. He's missed the triple-double this season six times by either one rebound or one assist. Like these are historic kind of numbers for this guy. Uh, the narrative is starting to be there a little bit. Kind of the, oh, it's an unsuspecting NBA player. You know, we've all seen the, I, I don't know if everyone's seen this, but the the picture of him as a kid, the fat little chubby kid. And hey, I was that kid. So, hey, do your thing. <laughs> it obviously worked out for him. Uh, but you wouldn't think, even if you saw this guy now, you'd be like, he's an NBA player. Like, he's tall, but he doesn't look. No, nah, he look. He's too tall. He's too tall, but the height is the only thing. He's tall enough that you're like, wait, you're not in the NBA? The yes, fuck do you it would do, be nigga? that. <laughs> it would be that. But let's say let's say I saw Giannis. And even if I watched the NBA, I'm like, oh, that dude. That dude's yeah, in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I saw LeBron, I'm like, oh, that dude's in, in some sports league. I don't know if it's the <laughs> NBA, but he played for somebody. Um, and then the last thing for me is just kind of narrative. That's the narrative, but also the kind of the odds on it. And right now, Jokic is the highest ranked player in the Vegas odds that's left playing significant portion of the game. Usually the MVP plays 80 plus percent of the games. Right now, Jokic is at uh, plus 110 to win the MVP which is pretty damn good. LeBron's at plus 450. Dame's at plus 1,200. Embiid's still at plus 600, etc. So not only is the narrative there, the numbers are there, the team success, but Vegas also has him as the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. For me, it's a very strong case for Jokic. 
the Vegas odds are deceptive in that way because those odds are how they feel like they can make the most money mm -hmm. off of people. So this is where I want to tell you, I think the fly route for this is Dame Lillard. And you talk about narrative, and that's why I think it's going to be Dame, right? The narrative is going to be Dame because Dame has kind of been that player that everybody is like, is the truth, but has never really gotten that accolade. Well, yeah, small, small school guy, went to Weber, Weber, not real well known, plays mm -hmm. up in Portland, mm -hmm. even now, not on a lot of national games. But I think it's going to start to matter now creeping through the end of the season. Their schedule is pretty easy. They're the sixth seed. And I think they can go on a run now, especially because they finally got CJ back. Think about it. They've been playing without CJ and Nurk. They've been playing without two starters all season long. And Dame Lillard has been carrying this team on his back. He's probably on his way to his first NBA scoring title this season. He, It's going to matter because, look, here, here's the way that I would explain it. Jokic has always had his second, Jamal Murray, all mm -hmm. season long, right? Dame has carried the load without the other people around him, kept his team afloat, and can now go on a run after finally having CJ back. That's the thing. Most valuable player is like, when other people went down, how did you perform, right? Could you carry your team? Are you the engine that can do it on its own? And look, if we're just going to count the raw stats, it's hard to beat Jokic. I agree. But if we're going to count the narrative of depleted team for the second year in a row, puts them on your back, wins a bunch of games. And I think this like last set of like um, games without Embiid and Braun will be actually what shapes the MVP, not what has happened before that. So Dame can go on a tear right now and just immediately reshift all of the narrative because we're no longer watching the guys at the top of the thing do amazing things every night. But watching Dame is spectacular, and I think that's what counts. Jokic is great, very sound and fundamental, but Dame is shooting logo threes. It's Dame time. Like, that is narrative. That is narrative. Jokic doesn't have a narrative. He has a very good team that does really well every single year in the playoffs. And we're like, wow, didn't see that coming. And they're like, uh, well, okay. But last year, we're like, no, didn't see that coming at all. But Dame has narrative. He has Dame time. So I do think Dame is very compelling, very entertaining. I think he will shoot up and get a lot of MVP votes. But I think that it may be too late for him to get enough of the writers who vote on this thing for NBA media to change their mind. I think they're probably, oh, I'm going to vote for LeBron, but he's not playing enough. Oh, I'm going to vote for Embiid, not playing enough. Jokic is their next guy, and Dame is after them, after that, for a lot of writers. I just think that, yes, he could go on a tear, but is will that tear make an impact in the minds of mm -hmm. the NBA media before they vote? Because they vote at the very end of the season, I want to say right after the last game is done, before the playoffs start. And so it's a question of, does that have enough impact on them and I would say, hey, yeah, Jokic is the engine for his team too. Is are they normally good? Yes, but he has become a bigger part of what makes the Nuggets go. Oh yeah, Jokic increased his play on in the bubble and it never went back down. A lot of people bought in the bubble and their play went back down. Part of the narrative is he was in shape for the first time and stayed in shape. <laughs> that that'll help. That'll help. <laughs> I mean that that was the narrative coming out of the bubble. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm. Interested to see the sad part for me and I think for us is we won't know this answer until like June. Yes, that is true. That is true. I, I Let me ask you this, right? So the Nuggets are in the fifth seed. The Blazers are in the sixth seed. If that flips, do you think that changes a lot of people's mind? Because the Lakers are in the fourth seed and we all expect them to come down significantly, which let's just say everything else stays the same. That pops them back to four or five. And... If Dame gets the fourth seed or the third seed, because we expect the Lakers to come down, that would that if, change a lot of things? If Dame could get the third seed, I think that changes a lot. I think that changes. I just don't they're know like how. Five, like, like four games less. Yes, like yes. Three, but we, we got four we, games we got the Suns. We got the Nuggets. We got we, there's some good teams out in the West still. Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, and uh, the Lakers, who we expect to fall, are the 
three Lakers people ahead of them. Lakers at best go like four and 12 because they looked real bad the other night. Look, so I'm just saying at that point, that puts them at the fifth seed. He only has to surpass the Nuggets and who's the third? Is the third the Clippers or I think the. So. Okay. So, like, I'm just saying it's kind of not unlikely. If he gets to third, I think that changes a lot of minds. And if at that point, if he gets to third, I think it's a coin toss between Dame and Jokic. All right. Let's move on to Rookie of the Year a little bit because this is another situation that's been highly impacted by injury. LaMelo Ball fractures his wrist, is reportedly most likely out for the rest of the season, but there's a chance he can come back. Rookie of the Year race kind of opening up now. Who do you have getting it? I think it's still LaMelo, honestly, in my my opinion. I think the... No, first off, I want to say that he proved a lot of his doubters wrong. People 100%. said... Oh, he's been had cherry pick situations. He's not played against the top end talent. Too swaggy, too, braggadocious, whatever. Can't not locked in. Don't play defense, mm-hmm. etc. And he Poor has pro- shot selection. Yes, all of that. And he's proven them wrong this season. He has performed phenomenally. I don't know what exactly did it, but his game has been much. Maybe this was always there, but at least from what I'm seeing, it looks much improved. Um. The wrist fracture is going to be a part of the narrative, the story for him. He's having a great season, pretty on par with the number one pick in the draft, uh, Mr. Edwards up in Minnesota, and then hurts his wrist, and maybe you feel bad for him. You think he was so close. He would have won it if he finished playing those games, so you still vote for him anyways. Um, There's all the great stories coming out about Melo and MJ, and everyone loves all those people, all the feels. He's like, yeah, I call MJ Unk. I'm just like, no, <laughs> it's a great story. Like is, you want to hear it. You're like you, cause for a lot of players who've been in, in, in Charlotte or, or been on whatever team MJ's had an ownership share in has not, have not felt that kind of love from him. He's been real hands off owner. Like an owner is normally. I mean, no, he be, he be at, he be on in the, the sidelines. He slapped that nigga on the back of his head that one time. Was that, who was that? But I don't want. I wouldn't say it's very consistent. There's not like a true relationship there, and I feel like at least from all the stories I hear, there's some sort of budding relationship between Melo. He feels and, like Melo is it. Yes, he is finally the guy for his franchise. He's gonna make Michael Jordan look like a good GM too. Look, look, he may be this the year has looked like great GMing in. Well, he's had a decade of bad GMing, so he needs some good this, ones. I, I said this year, like the Gordon Hayward signing looks great. Like moving off of Kemba for uh, homeboy from the Celtics, Terry Rozier is looking a lot better than people thought the first time around. Uh, like obviously the Lamelo pick, Bridges is looking much better. Like they're look, it's look, it's looking like it's coming together after a lot of rough years. Rookie of the years have won this award at playing less games than Lamelo has before. Mm-hmm. That is the first and foremost. Some who even aren't rookies say. who won it. Okay. I had to say it. Look, get your shit off, Marcus. <laughs> I, I, get your shit off. That's why we're here. But I think the Ant Man's going to end up getting it kind of by default, just because like he is going on a tear. They lost Cat and D'Lo for a while. He ended up averaging like twenty four a game. He's putting up the he's putting up the raw numbers. Well, his numbers are a, a pretty even as far as points with Melo right now. I think they're both around sixteen points a game for the season. Sure. But he's going to play more games. Like, he has a whole another month. He can increase to, that, yes. Yeah, to, like, not just increase that, just, like, stay in people's mind. That's the thing. Stay in people's mind. I would love it if Melo still won, though. So I'm not going to push back on a lot of that. Like, personally, I would like, I would like for Melo to win Rookie of the Year. I think he's already earned it. All right, let's talk about one of your favorite players, Draymond Green. He recently made some incendiary comments that a lot of people had to talk about recently where he said, I am the best defender of all time. Look, he got into it with Tony Allen, who was like, bro, you're not even better than me. Who stamped you? He, he, yo, this was pretty good. Yeah, this was pretty good. He said, "Who stared you?" And he was like, "Bro, I thought you did when we used you to beat your own team on my way to my first chip." Like they were, they they were at it, at it. That was good until Allen came back at him. You have the you have that tweet. I don't no. I don't have the exact wording, but that he ended Draymond. 
He ended Draymond? He ended Draymond. That was the end. Of, he I, think, ended Draymond? I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember I was like, oh, shit. That Draymond has no comeback for that. Mm. Oh, oh. He was like, oh, right now they're out there four on five. What with you out there without Clay and and Steph? Oh, hashtag call Clay. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Hashtag call Clay. That shit was hot. And okay, I'm like, okay, sure, but we're gonna talk about <laughs> our top five defenders, and a lot of the guys that we're gonna talk about don't play offense. They're not, some of the guys are not at all concerned about playing offense. Some mm-hmm. of them can't play. Hell, I would argue Tony Allen can't play offense. Oh no, he couldn't. <laughs> but so him saying that is a little bit like sure dog, but you can't shoot neither. <laughs> like, yeah, like, but like, like calling the kettle black. Call Clay just hit. It, it just hit real. Because first off, they do need to call Clay. Clay's in the gym hooping. <laughs> Look, Clay standing in the corner on offense is better than a lot of players. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, so we're gonna get into this, but I want to preface my list with something that I think is very reasonable. Okay. And no one is on my list that I have not seen play in my lifetime or watched game film of. And so that kind of limits me to kind of a lot of most people, 1990 post. Uh, we know a lot of the eighties games um, or maybe some people don't know a lot of games from the eighties, especially before magic got into the league were did not, not live. Did stats. not. And they don't always have the, all the, the stats, et cetera. And so, and they're hard to find, especially games before 1970. Like, you're talking about trying to find a Bill Russell game? Impossible. Yo, I have luck. to give Bill Russell love because for all Bill Russell's accolades, we keep pretending like this nigga did not exist. He didn't win 11 rings and two as a coach. And I just stopped I, Wilt. He locked down Wilt. And look, he, he's he has, great. He has the highest defensive win share in NBA history. But I can't say I've seen two minutes of tape on this man. I, I, look. Eventually, we are going to have Bill, have to give Bill Russell some oh, love. I want to give some him love. I just done. I just can't do it personally. I can't say like, oh, I've seen him do X, Y, and Z. I've heard stories. The legend is is large. He deserves love and respect, and to be a two time Hall of Famer, basically. But I can't personally be like, yeah, he's the greatest. I've never seen him play defense. Okay, but then who? I'll, I put him at my one spot just because at some point he needs to get that respect. I want to know who you put in your one spot instead. Dennis Rodman. Ooh. And I think there is a strong argument for why. Number one, it's the length of his reign. He has two rings in the in the late 80s with Detroit, back-to-back. Leaves Detroit, has a little bit of a... Some people would say meltdown or breakdown, but he would say becoming himself. I don't think goes it was to, a meltdown or a breakdown, bro. I don't. Some people... I, I don't either... Some people would say that. I think he's just becoming himself and comfortable with being who he was and, you know, doing wild things, Carmen Electra and all this, all this shit. He, look, it seemed to be very effective in Chicago when they let Dennis be Dennis. Dennis be, became Dennis again in Chicago and had another eight year run where he was one of the three best defenders in the NBA at a time where there was tons of great defenders in the NBA for a decade plus. And ended up with eight rings for it, and was a key two in Detroit, six in Chicago. I don't was he there for the second first three peat? I believe, or I believe so. I believe he comes to the first three peat along with like Horace Grant, etc., and that helps him get over the top. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you want to look it up? He got a, yeah. Let's look it up. All he right. got a lot of rings. I know that, and he was a key defensive player on all those teams. It's either five or like eight. Five, six, or eight. I I thought it was five because I don't think he was there for the first three feet. Yeah, he has five rings. Okay, yeah. so I, five. Yes, I, yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. He's got, but still, but still, uh, yes, five rings. Five and is a lot. Yes, defensive yes. player on all those teams. He's got some defensive player of the year awards. He, we know he can play offense if needed. Um, great rebounder. You know the defensive possession's not over until you get the rebound. And Dennis was one of the most ferocious rebounders of all will, time. Of all time, indeed. Indeed. All right. All right. So uh, my number two, I put Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, my one was Russell. Oh, okay. I just wanted to yeah. make that clear. My I didn't one know was, that was Russell. Clear. I feel like he has to eventually get the respect he deserves, right? Uh, but also because he has the highest defensive win share in all of NBA history. Uh, my two is Dikembe Mutombo. I think he is an underrated defender for the way people put together these lists. Think about it. He was 
a four-time defensive player of the year. I don't know anybody else that's won that award that many times, right? He was six-time all-defensive team. Like, of course, we all remember him, like, the finger, the finger wave, yep. second in blocks all time. If you're a Chicago lover like me, you might remember the time Jordan dunked on his shit, had to give him the wave back. But <laughs> but still, look, dude was a ferocious monster. Grab the boards, block the shots. You don't win a four. You don't win DPOY four times for nothing. You're absolutely correct. I. Elevated someone a little bit different. Maybe you would also agree with this person being high on the list. I got Tim Duncan, who we call the guy the big fundamental, and that wasn't just on offense. The guy was the heart and soul of the Spurs for 15 years. He's plus, in my top five. 15 years plus. was He didn't maybe win Defensive Player of the Year, but that's because he was winning MVPs. I did. He was, he, look, he's in my top five. He was 15 times all defense. Mm-hmm. He played 19 seasons. <laughs> so, so yeah. all but the baby very beginning when he was still playing with David Robinson and the very end when he was old, he did not win. Yes, all but four. All but yes. four, he was an all defensive player in the NBA. So, like, it's clear that he was a high-level defender for basically 90-plus percent of his career. And constantly playing deep playoff runs on teams that were in the mix for championships for over a decade mm-hmm. and end up with also, what, three rings? Five rings? I can't remember. A lot of rings. Five. Five. He should have five. But if not, yeah, he should have five. The Spurs dynasty was. They never repeated, but they would like every They were other. like every other year for a while. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right. Um, do I think it is five? I think they had three in the early 2000s and those two uh, later. B. Brown twice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that's who I have as number, number, number two is Tim Duncan. Okay. Um, and I think. What you just said, for example, is part of the reason why he has to be high on this list. He's in my top five. I, I, I'm with you. Who's your number three? All right. My number three is Rodman, right? Um, you already went into all the vibes about him. You know, eight-time all-defensive player, two-time defensive player of the year. He is my three. I just feel like even if we're just looking at the impact they had on the game, Matumbo just feels different to me, which is why I can't have him in that spot. Uh, who did you have at three? Scottie Pippen, Ooh. who is maybe the best perimeter defender in NBA history. Okay. I, I think Scottie is very underrated for his defense. Uh, that was He was the guy on the Bulls teams along with Dennis who was doing the dirty work. Look, I, I, I love Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was a great defender, but he also played with MJ in those early years where they were winning the chips, and he played with MJ and Dennis on those later years where they were winning the chip. Yeah, and Dennis guarded the big men, but Pippen had whoever the guard was, whoever the guard was. Think of watching, go back and watch the 91 finals and watch Pippen, uh, Pippen guard uh, Magic full court, press defense all the way up and shut Magic down. Now, this is older Magic, but this was before he retired the first time. So still a good player, still good enough to be in the NBA Finals and lead a team there and still has pieces around him. And Pippen is locking him down. And Pippen is, and this is maybe more of his is just pure athleticism. He was so athletic and long that it helped him be a good defender on the perimeter. But I think he's got to be high, high on a lot of people's list. And maybe people don't give him enough respect. He's for his top defense. 10 for me, just not top five. Okay. Just not top five. Uh so that was you, who you had at three? Mm-hmm. All right. So for four, I have Kevin Garnett, a man whose name needs no explanation. I'm not even like, yo, it's KG. He's my number five. He's top it's, five. It's KG. It's, uh, bruh, it's verified. If KG came out and said, I am the best defender of all time in the NBA, like, people would scruff. You got a, a strong no argument. No one would come at him the way people <laughs> no. came at Draymond. <laughs> also, like, people respect him too much to come at like, him like that. Like, like Shannon said, bro, Draymond, you're not top 20. I was like, damn. <laughs> Listen, I watched some other folks talk about this, and they named it, and they're, they've been older than me, so they've watched more people play, and there are legitimately 20 guys in history better than Draymond. <laughs> legitimately. Like, I love Draymond. And we didn't talk about this too much, but I love Draymond. Oh, Draymond is He's a, a extremely great defender. great defender, super versatile defender. But he is not top 20 all time. Okay. I'm with you. I, I am with you. So I have KG at my five, but my four, um, I have somebody a little bit different. 
maybe a little quieter than most people would expect. I got Ben Wallace, who is forgotten on those Detroit teams in the early 2000s, 03, 04. I think he won back-to-back Defensive Players of the Year awards. Um, Just phenomenal. Just a driving defensive force on that team. And, I mean, the two years they – or the years they were in the finals are the years everyone remembers, but they were in the conference championship game for, like, five straight years. Oh, yeah. They fucked up the East. Oh, yeah. they And it was all with defense. And he was the key guy on that team running the defense. Okay. I like that. I like that. My five is Tim Duncan, as we mentioned before. Uh, We're probably going to give people the, like, rest of our top ten lists. Uh, You can catch it on our IG, at the Pod. You can see a little bit more of our contested areas with some more modernish players, uh, but all right, not I'm not I'm not too mad about that. I mean, Draymond is, but I'm not. No, I love Draymond. He deserves a lot of love, but he wild for this one. It's 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 a Playboy affair. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. And this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to Justin Heron. So many of you who watch the NFL and listen to this this podcast are probably thinking, who the hell is Justin Heron? Well, let me tell you who this guy is. He is a 2020 sixth-round draft pick out of Wake Forest who plays for the Patriots. Uh, he's one of their reserve tackles. He started six games last season, was a part of 12 games, or had snaps in 12 games. Solid, solid player. Very promising for the Patriots. Go Deeks. Yes, yes. <laughs> Short story, around 11 a.m., this guy is working out in Tempe, Arizona. He's walking through a park, and he hears a woman scream. He says, quote, you see it in TV and movies all the time, but you never think it's going to happen in real life until it does. In that moment, I was in shock. He goes on to say, it was 11 in the middle of the afternoon, in the middle of the day, not one cloud in the sky, and in a very open field. The fact that happened there at that time was very shocking in the moment. I wish I could tell you what I was thinking. I just knew that someone just needed help. All I could do was just rush myself over there and make sure I could help the victim and make sure I could comfort her and be the best person I can be. So this is Justin uh, describing his interaction in this park. The reason why we're talking about him, why he's receiving this baller's bouquet. He was able to stop the sexual assault of a 71-year-old retired woman in this Tempe, Arizona park, along with one other good Samaritan. And he, we have these quotes because today he had, or he received a commendation from the Tempe, Arizona police department in the form of a good Samaritan award, along with the other good Samaritan who helped out in the rescue. So, you know, Heron is 6'5", 300 pounds, just said he plays tackle for the Patriots, so real athletic, big guy, and he he runs over there. He says, you know, he yells at the guy. He's like, I'm real loud. I'm a big guy. (laughs) So the guy stops. I guess he yanks the guy off the woman and then somehow restrains the guy along with the other Good Samaritan until the police get there. I bet that nigga could put him in a headlock. He'd never get out of him. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I, I think my size helped a little bit there. I'm like, you think? <laughs> you think a 6'5", 300-pound black man sprinting across the park telling you to stop? You're probably going to be like, what the hell is going on? Um, but that you is... the crab memes on niggas? <laughs> yes. Yes. But, you know, a lot of cases like this, people don't help. They assume someone else will. And Justin, along with this other good Samaritan who, if you want to go watch it, the interview or the press conference with the police was literally today, earlier this afternoon. We recorded on Wednesday, so it was earlier on Wednesday, and this happened earlier in the week. Um, go watch it. Go watch him talk about it. Go watch them give the commendation to the other good Samaritan who's not famous, but certainly deserves uh, respect and accolades for this good deed that they performed. And more people should do this. More people should be willing to help in the moment. There are so many times that Something bad happens and people say, well, I just thought someone else was going to do something. And 
that can't be the case. If you're really about it, if you're about being who you say you are, being a good person, et cetera, you got to be good even when no one's watching or when no one else is willing to help and step up and be good. So that is why Justin Heron is this week's recipient of the Ballers Bouquet. You should tweet at him, give him your own congratulations. He is a very nice young man. Seen him talk um, in the pro- in the press conference I watched, um, which is weird to say because he's a young man compared to us. But yeah, you should uh, thank him, congratulate him. And uh, that's this week's Ballers Bouquet. Let's play, boy. All right, all right. That is it for episode 28 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we want to say that we appreciate each and every single one of you all for listening, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Music, or whatever the fuck y'all people use. I We appreciate all of y'all. We appreciate all of your time. And we are... You know that Bernie Sanders meme I am once again asking you for? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are once again asking you for listener submitted subjects because we want to make this podcast a little bit more interactive with you all. We want to talk about the things that our listeners are interested in. Can't stress that enough. But more importantly, we are once again asking you to hit that subscribe button and notification bell if you're watching this video on YouTube. We'll see you next Friday.